0: Welcome back. It's Howl History once again. Derek and Chad back in your ear holes to talk about some basketball. Chad, welcome back to the 2021-2022 Timberwolves season. How's it going?
1: Good, man. I love that ear holes. Right.
0: It's so provocative.
1: <laughs> it is. It's like every time you say it, it catches me off guard. You say it <laughs> pretty much every week. So it's it's not dirty, but it makes you feel dirty. Yeah, I'm gonna start calling people ear holes. I'm like, what? <laughs> what your ear hole? Okay, I can call you an ear hole. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know if that's good or bad. That guy's a
0: giant ear hole. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you were at the game the other night, and the uh, is this the, the Timberwolves are going to be the champions edition of this episode, or is this the, the Houston Rockets are the worst team in the league edition of this episode, or somewhere in between?
1: Well, I definitely think Houston's going to be one of the two or three worst teams in the league, for sure. They were pretty awful. Yeah. So it's somewhere in between because I don't think it would necessarily mean that the Timberwolves are going to be championship <laughs> contenders um, based off of thumping a really awful. I mean, you can't even call Houston mediocre. They were just no. like – So bad. They were really bad. Although I, I will say they're really bad, but you can see a path to them getting good in a couple years. They're just like – they have some talent on that team. They're just all really, really young. Mm-hmm. It's, it's in a weird way like they're – so like the Wolves are young – Because they have a lot of guys like under, you know, twenty, rare on the age of twenty-five, but Houston's got a bunch of guys around the age of twenty, and then a bunch of guys older than anybody that's on the Wolves, which is just kind of a weird mix. Like, like John Wall would be older than anybody on our team, I believe. Eric Gordon's older than anybody on this team. Um, There's a handful of guys like that on that team. I know John Wall didn't play, but um, Eric Gordon played. You know, so there's a. It's just kind of a weird mix for that team. Um, They have veterans, but they don't. They're not using them to kind of. Groom the young guys. They're just Eric Gordon kind of was the young- best player on their team, and he came off the yeah, bench. Yeah. He came off the bench. Yeah. He didn't play significant minutes. I mean, but uh, Green and Porter, mm-hmm. and um, I Blood. like Christian Wood. I like him yeah. last year. Yeah. Jay Sean Tate, I think, is a good player. Um, you know, Jay Tate and Wood aren't stars. No. Um, Porter and Green might be. Uh, you know, they're not yet, but they have the potential to become star players. It's weird, though, because they're like almost identical size. Yeah. They, it's very similar builds. Like when they come out, it looks like twins walking out on the floor. It's, so that's kind of strange. I don't know how that'll work long term with both of them. I don't know. It reminded so... me a lot
0: of some of the past Wolves years. It's like, hey, we got Randy Foy and Rashad McCants. Or we have Johnny Flynn and Corey Brewer. It's like we got these young guards that we're super high on. And But it's like all the talent in the young roster. And it's like, well, you got to get really lucky and you really need one to hit. Cause you could just spin on that cycle for a long
1: time if you didn't pick right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I mean, they're, I mean, you know, and Tice is, he's a solid player too for the right team. But again, it's just like, I don't get the veterans that they have on the team because they're not using them. Tice started, but you know, like Gordon, like you said, came off the bench and it's like, okay, well, why don't you just move them Mm -hmm. to a team that's that can use them then, you know, like, Gordon's been on the team forever. I know he kind of was started and moved around a little bit, but he came back and, I mean, he's been a consummate pro, which, you know, I don't know. We'll, well see how it ends it.
0: Well, like we were saying, you know, the Timberwolves have been bad for a long, long time, and you deal with it and you watch cycle after cycle of rebuild after rebuild, and, you know, and then and then the hero comes along. Mariah
1: Carey. <laughs> I didn't even get to the second line. You don't need to. Uh, Mariah's my <laughs> girl. <laughs> <laughs> I could do all the Mariah Carey songs.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> you knew what was coming; you had it ready.
1: Yeah. <laughs> anyway,
0: the Wolves have hit in a couple recently, and uh, everything kind of clicked last night. You know, the, with Ant, he uh, showed up, and I—I I think this is—I saw somebody say this is probably the largest crowd he's ever played basketball in front of. How do you do? How do you, did he seem to feed off the crowd, or did he was he
1: loving it? I mean, he—I mean, I. I... Was he feeding up the crowd or was it just Ant being Ant? I mean, yeah. just, Ant seems to enjoy doing whatever it is he's doing at the moment he's doing it. Like, so he definitely was engaged. So, I don't know. I mean, he wasn't really interacting with the crowd a whole lot. Yeah. So um, I don't know how much of it was fan related. But sure. it was, I mean, it probably was the biggest crowd he's ever played in because, you know, even in he only for one year of college. And, yeah, I think Georgia had a capacity of like 10,500 at their arena okay. or something like that. So, yeah. It is weird even going back because that was the first full capacity event of any kind that I've been to since mm-hmm. COVID started, and it like, I mean, it didn't feel foreign, but it did feel different, you know, because it's like it's been a while, so um, that was kind of kind of different. But, um, but other guys on the team definitely were feeding off the yeah the fans and stuff. I mean, I think guys like Cat and D'Lo and and Beasley, those guys seem to be more engaged with fans than um. That ant, not that ant wasn't, it's just ant, ant kind of is. Yeah, he, he brings his so, own energy. Yeah, he's so authentic to who he is, everywhere he is, that I didn't really take anything he did as being unique to what he normally yeah. does. Yeah. Um, so, oh, which I kind of thought, oh, maybe he, he might start, you know, interacting more just because, but I don't know. Like he, same old, same old, other than he looked great. I mean, he played awesome.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I mean, a lot of guys did.
1: Yeah. I mean, like it was hard to really nitpick anything um, in terms of like individual games. Um, so there's stretches or whatever, or, like mm-hmm. there's moments that you know you're like, oh well, that was kind of a boneheaded move. But
0: I mean, there were so there were some things. I mean, before we really like tons of positives. The Wolves ended up winning by 18, and it wasn't that close. It got you know the bench gave it up at the end, but um,
1: it was uh, yeah they were up by
0: it was a blow. They were up by 35. You know, so yeah. it was yeah. uh, not not a close game at all, and it was just like we said a blowout but um so before we get into all the positives the only couple of things i noticed watching on you know on tv at home were if delo hadn't made four straight three-pointers in the third quarter i would have been very disappointed in the rest of his game i felt like he was really the only one on defense that wasn't necessarily holding like giving the same level of energy and if you take away those four shots he was 2 for 12 on the rest of his shots so um not necessarily an all-star night out of D'Angelo Russell, but he still scored 22 points. So I mean, like if he's going to have one stretch of game where he scores you 12 points in four minutes and he starts hitting 30 foot three pointers and he can keep doing that consistently, you'll take it. It just seemed a little risky yeah. as a style of game to depend on.
1: And that is kind of his offensive game a lot, you yeah. know, where you're like watching it and for 30 minutes, you're like, Ugh. and right. then he has like a five minute where he's just, you know, with a f- flamethrower out there, just hitting all these shots. Mm-hmm um i i i agree with you i mean i i thought his game was very up and down the first quarter he started off well in terms of getting other guys involved he was passing the ball well and stuff but he was missing assignments on defense or just whatever i don't even maybe it wasn't even assignments he was just yeah playing lazy i don't really know what the deal was on for him on defense on there and then he got into fall trouble very early too he picked up three early falls and he was uh that was getting into his head because he was constantly talking to the refs. Yeah, the whole game. He's talking to Finch, trying to get Finch to like challenge a play, and Finch is like, "They're not even showing the replay." And it's yeah, it's like a first quarter, the first right? quarter. First <laughs> quarter. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna challenge something now. You know? Yeah, that was and interesting. He's like, because there Finch was, was good about it. Yeah. He's patting him on the back, like, just don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Just you know. And he left him out there. Like, he trusts yeah. he trusted him, and t- to deal those credit, he didn't pick up another fall. But um, yeah. So it was very up and down. But I was thinking the same thing the whole first half and. But on the flip side, you know, if that were any other Wolves team, would Dilo have done more if he didn't have two guys go for 25 points in the first half? Right. I mean, it's like it's such a commodity that the Wolves have now where if Ant and Dilo, or oh, sorry, Ant and Cat aren't going, mm-hmm. you have guys like D'Lo and Beasley who can just become flamethrowers shooting threes. And then it's a completely different thing that the opposing teams have to defend against. You're know, like, and, and then you also have other three-point shooters like Prince and you know even Okogie hitting shots in the corner now, uh, McLaughlin, um, and Beverly eventually when he comes back. So there's other guys who can hit spot-up threes, but then you have Beasley and or yeah Beasley and um, D'Lo who can just kind of take over a game with their three-point shooting. So you know it's uh, I don't know that we can read too much into it of, of what it's going to be the rest of the season, but I agree in the sense of if we're going to point out something that we're going to take away as something to watch on a critical side. Yeah. Delo's game is, is one to watch because he, he did seem like he wasn't doing as he's supposed to be the second star on this team and Ant Faro yeah. shined him.
0: And I think he's going to, and I, I mean, yeah. which is what you want to watch for the upcoming year is if that's the case, if that is how it fold, you know, folds out moving forward is Russell going to be okay with that? Is is he going to be okay finding his spot in the third quarter to, you know, to really turn it on? And, but, and then what does that even mean? Like he was obviously the third star last night on the team, but he still took more shots than Carl did. I mean, Carl was just so efficient. He was 11 for 15, but Russell was six for 16. So it's, you know, what does that look like? You know, and, and how do we measure his effectiveness moving forward in terms of Filling that role. Is he just a third score? Is he really, you know, just at the same level as Malik Beasley in terms of Carl and Ant finding them on the perimeter or getting them involved or we lean on them for short periods of time? Or are there going to be D'Angelo Russell games where we actually, you know, just he is, you know, the top guy or the second guy for entire stretches, you know, multiple games in a row, stuff like that. So.
1: And that's what I think. I think we will see games throughout over the course of a season where there will be Delo games mm-hmm. where he's just feeling it. And I think we're going to have Beasley games, by the way, as well. Um, the one thing I, I will say again, you know, to kind of piggyback off of the negative on Delo's game, it would be the positive on Beasley's game is because Beasley also wasn't feeling it early on. Yep. But he made other plays. Like he made a couple of really good defensive plays and he was showing effort on both sides to kind of. Not make you concerned about his right. lack of, you know, three point shooting on the offensive side. So, and that's something that Delo doesn't offer you when he's, if he's not scoring. I mean, he did have seven assists, um, but, you know, seven assists to two super prolific scorers like Ant and Cat seems low. Like, right. it seems like he should be able to have more, you know? Um, yeah. Delo, I mean, really, or sorry, Beasley really bought
0: into the team's emphasis on transition defense. Like, his, yeah highlight plays were defensive transition plays where he caught up to a guy and got a, a block at the rim and one where he, the guy thought he had a free
1: reign and Beasley cut in front of him and stripped the ball. Yeah. You know, so, and then and he stripped it and then it's going out of ball and he dives and yep. saves it, you know, which was just this incredible play. Um, And that was on our side of the arena. So it was like the pop right there was just super fun. Um, But yeah, I, I mean, that is one of the most encouraging things I think about the entire night last night was, how Beasley might fit into Chris Finch's system because, you know, Finch didn't really have them like, and, and not so much from the offensive side, we didn't see that yet. I think we'll still see some growth there, but from the, on the defensive side, this seems like a defensive system that Beasley can actually thrive in. Will he become an elite defender? No, but will he become a guy that you maybe don't have to mask or hide? Possibly mm-hmm. because he, he actually looked pretty confident on that end of the floor last night.
0: Yeah, if he can fit into that system and really just figure out, how, you know, how to play his spot, you know, if he's going to be the low man ever, if he's just moving around the perimeter as the low man transitions underneath the basket, it's going to be interesting. Hopefully it's a better fit for him because I think his shot's going to come. We have, we know but, that, especially yeah. if he gets into better shape. He was 1-4 for on threes last night, but he was 4-8 for eight overall, so he got into the lane. He had overall good efficiency, nine points. Unfortunately, he missed his two free
1: throws, which was weird, but... Um, but he was and he's only one for four right like so it's not like yeah he didn't shoot eight right yeah if he he was off last year he would have shot eight because we needed him we didn't have anybody else it was just him and Ant a lot of the time when when he was healthy and and that was like the bad Ant. it was before Ant Mm -hmm. became more efficient and stuff so um beasley was that's why beasley looked so great when he was playing last year because he he was your best player many nights because cat was out and dila was out and ant was a 19 year old rookie yeah
0: but you know we talked about his defensive uh aggression and he had two steals and two blocks which was kind of the story of the game for the entire team they had 18 steals and 13 blocks overall i mean akogi also had two and two jaden mcdaniels had four steals and three blocks most of which were in the first
1: half um, yeah
0: you know carl had really, two steals and two blocks minutes.
1: yeah Daniels was like all over the first few minutes i mean i, I, I kept looking up at the scores i'm like Okay, he had to have more rebounds because he had so many like tips too, yeah. where he tipped the ball back to somebody else who uh, clearly got credit for the rebounds. Because it was like late in the first quarter, and I still think he had a zero for rebounds. I'm like, this, I mean, it's so not indicative of what the how it's being mm-hmm. played right now because he's really the reason why we got all those boards was because he's the one that t- just tipped it to a guy. He wasn't just like you know snatching it for himself. Um, he was tipping it so they could get out and run which was also yeah fun to see so i mean um, he's gonna be because he's so long when guys come in he's tipping balls out of their you know uh, tipping away while they're dribbling tipping away while they're shooting it doesn't matter he's so long that you know maybe over time players will start to account for that because he'll they'll get to know him more but he's it's deceptive because you know he's he gets down on that defensive stance and you know he's tall but it's like all of a sudden, that arm comes out of nowhere, yeah. and he's just, you know—it's fun to watch. It's—I mean, they were swarming
0: be... the paint. There seemed like they have four bodies in there. Anytime somebody got into the middle, especially Jalen Green, he had a rough night. I mean, I think he was a game low negative thirty-seven plus-minus.
1: So, yeah, it was. They were talking on the radio on the way back, like all the plus-minus. Yeah, the team and all the plus-minus. Wolzer was like, I think Cat was like a plus thirty-one. Yeah, Cat was somebody, so
0: Cat was plus thirty-four. Edwards and McDaniel's okay. tied for second at plus twenty-six. And then Akogi and Jordan McLaughlin were at plus 20. So just really steady play out of those guys.
1: Yeah, it was was (laughs) pretty funny. And then they were on the flip side reading the the negatives. uh, Houston, you know. But, I mean, a game like that, it's hard to... Right, somebody's going to get
0: hit. But, yeah, it was not a strong uh, 32-minute opening night for Jalen Green. But he'll have better nights as he figures out the physicality of the league. It's just funny that the physicality, quote-unquote, came from the Timberwolves, who everybody talked about not having the size necessary to...
1: Although Green yeah, no. and Porter are small. Yeah. like they're, It's like two Beasleys out there. They're not very big guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with Jalen Green, what it actually reminded me of was a lot of, of answerly games where he had so many, like, looked like gimme layups that in in traffic, but they would go out. And, you know, I remember I was talking about last year, like, ah, as soon as he kind of figures out, yeah. you know, how to use his body here against, you know, grown men versus at the college level, he'll be able to, more of those will start going down. And sure enough, come January, you know, late January or whatever, they started coming down. Um, the same thing was happening with Green. He was getting to the the basket a lot pretty easily. He was beating guys, um, but there was, you know, he's he's shorter. And then you have guys yeah. like Jaden McDaniels blocking him from behind right. and, you know, Cat blocking him from behind. So it's I mean, just, spike blocks too. Like yeah, there yeah. were at least three legit just
0: balls spiked into the floor. Yeah, like KG-esque. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. KG would have just caught
1: it in the air, but yeah. Well, there's um, early in his career, he used to swat it to like the seventh row, right. and yeah. I remember he used to get criticized for that, you know, by Barrero or right. somebody. Like, just you're just wasting possessions. Just grab it, you mm-hmm. know. And I think eventually KG's like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah,
0: I don't know. KG was all for the the dramatic finish to try to amp up the himself and the crowd with every action. So, but yeah, let's see who else haven't we talked about? We haven't given Okogi a lot of a lot of love here. He was the fifth starter, which nobody really knew of until about an hour before game time and i couldn't have worked out better for one night he was two for five for six points five rebounds uh but like i said two steals two uh, blocks and he just he was everywhere i mean he only played 21 total minutes but that was mostly because of the blowout and he was alongside mcdaniels and the defensive effort that the two of them just set the tone with like the wolves shots weren't falling to start the game but houston could do nothing against the wolves defense
1: yeah i mean okogi was was awesome and i liked how finch was using guys like so he, on offense he always had one of cat mm-hmm. ant or elo on the court you know usually there was two of them yeah uh, and at defense it was always either okogi or vanderbilt on the floor until got out of hand and then right you know it was just didn't matter um but yeah both and vanderbilt too both had good games defensively even though vanderbilt didn't have a lot of stat. Like I don't think he had that many rebounds. Yeah, um,
0: Vanderbilt had three rebounds, one assist, two steals, and two points in 15 minutes. But he was also a plus four, and he was one of the few bench guys that actually had a positive plus minus due to yeah, the way the bench yeah. gave it up at the end. Yeah.
1: And he was, you know, he was just once he came in, you could just see Houston was was changing the way they were playing their offense mm-hmm. because you know they were they were not going inside as much. Whereas early in the game they were, and and part of that might not have even been Vando himself, it might have been. McDaniels and Cat blocking all the shots and deterring them from continuing to try to get inside. But it, um, I thought Bando had a really strong game though, and you know Okogie though, I mean, those are those are the games where you see Okogie playing. Like, yeah, there's no reason why this can't, guy can't start every game, and now he'll have down games too yeah. where you're like, okay. So I, I'm totally cool with you know if if Finch does have that sort of rotation at the starting four in a game like against Houston, who is a relatively small team as well. It makes sense that Okogie yeah. gets a knock there.
0: Yeah. It's uh you know, I think we've talked about, or we haven't talked a lot about, but I've seen a lot of people talk about the fact that it's nice to have Vanderbilt and Nas Reed tied to each other on the bench because they, they synchronize so well. Um, unfortunately, the other main negative takeaway from the game was Nas Reed's rough night. I, I, he kind of gave up everything that Carl seemed to build up when he was in the, on the floor. So, um, just watching at home, like Nas was a negative 16 in 19 minutes. Um, it just wasn't his strongest showing. He did have seven rebounds, three blocks, one steal, one assist. Um, but just two for five, you know, from the floor and m- missed both his three pointers and defensively, he just didn't seem to show much of a presence, even though, like I said, he did have three blocks and one steal somehow. So just watching him and the, his presence on the court just didn't feel like a strong Nas Reid game.
1: No, it, it felt like Delo's game to me, to be honest. I mean, he didn't have as as high a highs or as low a lows to me as yeah. what Delo did. I mean, I know his negative was lower, but that was because he was playing with the bench. Um, because he did have a couple plays that, you know, got the fans going in the arena. I mean, it's weird. Nas is kind of a fan favorite. Yeah. I mean, you could hear it at the introductions. He got a pretty loud cheer when he first came in. He got a loud cheer. He got a lot of people just yelling out his name, like, randomly. Um, so, but... So he had a couple plays that he made um, that you know kind of got fans going, but he did have, like you said, he wasn't. Um, it was. I mean, he, offensively, he was. He missed some open shots that he normally makes. Um, he didn't take a lot of shots anyway. So if you miss those open ones that you did take, and yeah. you know you're only getting five shots, you're not gonna be able to affect things that much. But, uh, but he's not a guy I worry about. You know, whereas like D'Lo, his Game, everything we're saying about Delo's game, to me, is exactly what how Delo's played every year of his career. Yeah. So what worries me is that okay, well he's now he's fully healthy. Let's see a different Delo now, mm-hmm. and you know we we haven't uh so far. It's only one game in, so not time to panic or overreact yet. But he hasn't. He looks as, like it's like the same Delo. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think.
0: The The hard part and the unfortunate part about D'Lo and the D'Lo experience is that your ex- interest level in him or your enjoyment of watching him is entirely based on his shot making. If the shots that he's taking are falling, you think that he's the best point guard in the world. If, if they're not falling, you can clearly see his other the other disadvantages that he causes because everybody knows he's not the world's greatest defender, even though he has some good length. And he's a decent distributor and he can sometimes focus on getting other guys involved, but at the same time... He's a scorer. I mean, it's why he's out there. So,
1: Well, if, he's one of those guys that looks the part. Yeah. Right? You see him. He's so smooth. He's such a good dribbler. He's such, you know, his shot looks so nice coming off his hand. He, you know, he can run off screens really well. He does all these things in isolation. You see it and you're like, oh, that that guy can play. Yeah. But then as a whole for a game, you, you see it and you're like, okay, well, that didn't work. You know, if he's not hitting his shots, he's not adding a lot of other stuff. And so, I mean, I, so yeah, that's, what's frustrating with him. He's kind of like, he's like a little bit like Wiggins in that way where, mm-hmm. you know, Wiggins looks the part. And so when you see good Wiggins, you're like, Oh yeah, he figured it out. Now, now we got this the rest right. of the season. You know, I, I do think there's a little bit of that with Dilo. You know, I, I think Dilo's a better player, but he teases you with, with his potential yeah. all the time. And at some point you're just like, okay, this is just who he is. He's 25. He's, you know, um he's just going to be a little bit of a frustrating player in that regard he's not going to be somebody that's on every night Mm -hmm. so
0: i mean we talked a lot in the preseason about anthony edwards and his commitment to the defensive end and how like even if he wasn't didn't take a step forward offensively this year which he did in the first game amazingly enough if he took a step forward defensively that would be huge for his overall improvement and his the overall career trajectory and like we said it just doesn't feel like russell has ever had that year like his trajectory and his improvement is entirely, you know, on 10 game samples of, you know, his offensive performance. So he is who he is on, you know, the rest of the game. So if that's your team's third best player, is that good enough? Maybe it's good enough. Mm -hmm. If, If, you know, if Ant steps up and all of a sudden Ant is, like we said, the second or, you know, in our dream scenario, best player, you know, on the team, if he somehow passes Carl in terms of, you know, efficacy on the court, then that would be awesome. And you start evaluating russell a little bit differently because now it's no longer you know carl and d it's carl and ant with d as a you know rounding out that backcourt so um he's got to move down to the third and possibly even fourth spot you know in the in the priority order if he's going to just be this player you know mm-hmm. like you said i think the hopes were and it's one game so maybe you know there's if this shot starts falling differently or if he starts getting guys involved in a different way there's plenty of time for that to change, but the hope was coming into this year, like you said, being healthy, having a whole, you know, off season under Finch's system, being with Carl for the first time, you know, really that we'd see a, a bit more engaged, a little bit of a different D-low, but, um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens when he is more needed.
1: You know, he wasn't yeah, necessarily it, it, needed last night. And that's just sure, like, if, if he was a little bit better defensively, Mm-hmm you'd be ecstatic right now because you're like, okay, well, we know our two offensive juggernauts are Cat and Ant. Yep. And, like, it's hard to do better than what those two guys already are doing in the league at this point. You know, like, Cat's already the best-shooting big man of all time, in my opinion, and one of the most prolific scorers in today's game in general. Ant, you know, we talked about last episode, looked very similar to Donovan Mitchell, already and Donovan Mitchell's one of the brightest young, you know players and you know ants much younger doing things that that Mitchell did at a much younger age. So those two look rock solid. Yep. Um but and I think it can work if those two continue to be a threat to go for 30 35 every single game combined. It's really hard to beat a team that has two guys that are doing that every night. Yep. Um and if, on the occasion where one of them's off, you know like we said earlier D'Lo and Beasley are two guys who can get it going and they can go for 40 in a given night. Like, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's a nice to have, like I said, the only thing that'd be that you wish in a, in a dream scenario is that those guys that are going for 40 much more infrequently than your two biggest players Mm -hmm. would be better defensive players as well. So they're giving you something every night, even when they're not being asked to carry the load offensively.
0: Yeah. You know, if you're looking at that role at that point, you're, you know, you're, it would be nice to have somebody, you know, maybe not in, in the current situation or even at their primes, but, you know, what Drew Holiday or Mike Conley or, you know, uh, Kyle Lowry were, you know, for their teams right. for long stretches where it's like, you know what, they're just going to be a stalwart. They're not going to score 30. They're going to score 15, but they're going to be around everything and they're just going to play the game the right way and just be a solid, you know, rock for you. So, right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't we don't want to spend too much time on the negatives because it is one game that Timberwolves crushed their opponent and it was a super fun experience you know for you in the arena and me you know at home watching the game you know lots of fist pumps you know happening so um it was a blast and i think they're hard to find negatives and we always we're timberwolves fans so this is how we kind of sit sometimes but uh we'll, we'll find the the one thing that didn't go as well as we wanted it to and
1: and revel on that for a while but um anybody else Yeah, so let's we yeah. can go we can go completely the other way now and talk yeah. about and how damn good and fun Anthony Edwards was, you know, from, I mean, every play. It's like even when he was missing the first couple threes he took. Right. Everybody in the arena, it's 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 just different. So D'Lo shoots a three. And everybody's like, no, pass the ball. <laughs> like everybody's yelling. Yeah. I just think D'Lo doesn't have a lot of fans in yeah. the Target Center anyway. Um, but Ant every time he touches it, shoot the ball, shoot it, yeah. everybody as soon as he gets the ball at the top of the arc, people are standing, thinking it. It's like okay he's not the, as a prolific three-point shooter as D'Lo, but he's already built up that. And then obviously he turned in like just an incredible performance. So he was like drilling them too. But, uh, so it was, that part was just, I mean, we were like out of our mind, everybody in the, you know, in, the, in our section was, it was fun to just be in that atmosphere when people are like, cause a lot of those people, it's the first time seeing Ant play live. Yeah. I mean, I'd only seen him a couple times last year. Um, a lot of those people didn't even know, didn't really watch them on TV either because the whole Bally's thing. So, a lot of people had, had no idea what to expect. You know, yeah. What, yeah, what they've read about them and stuff. And so, that was cool just to kind of hear people like giddy and watch. There's people like uh, two rows in front of us, like it was like a father son, it was like an adult guy and his, mm-hmm. his dad. And the way they would look at each other every time I would do something, they're just like giggly, giggling, <laughs> and giddy with with videos. Yeah combining two words there giggling and and giddy uh, with glee (laughs) (laughs) they were uh they were just it was like they were like little kids you know they were so excited and stuff and so that was pretty cool to see um so i i think ant is going to be i mean he's fast encroaching on cat's territory as the uh at least the face of the franchise at least in terms of the fans i mean i still think cat is very well loved here and stuff i mean and he spoke you know he kind of did the welcome speech yeah. I don't know if they aired that on TV, but um, he got a very loud standing ovation after you know he walked off and stuff. Um, and he's pretty genuine and stuff, and you, know, you thank people for the sport and stuff. So he's still in, you know, and, and he had a great game t- as well. But there were there were some people yelling, yelling for him to stop complaining to the officials yeah. and yell, you know, things like all the same stuff that people kind of complain about with him. Um, whereas Ant, I didn't hear one negative thing. <laughs> at all from anywhere around us in terms of anything he did. You know, nobody thought he was shooting too much. Nobody thought, you know, his defense had any holes. I mean, everybody just thought he was brilliant, so.
0: No, it was amazing to watch at home, too. I mean, like, they kind of took quarters, like, traded off quarters, right? Like, Carl had the first quarter, and then Ant really took off in the second quarter. Dilo had his portion of the third quarter mixing with some Carl, and then Ant came back in at the beginning of the fourth quarter and had a small stretch again, so. It was just they really, they were really taking turns, which was fun to watch. I don't know how it'll work when a, t- a good defensive team shows up to town and they need to actually all play at the same you know together well at the same time and find what the defense is giving them. But for one night at least, that was I mean Ant was ten for twenty one overall, but six for twelve on three probably probably more three pointers than we want him taking on most nights. But when they're going in like that, you'll take it. And I think like that's a fun thing about Ant is a fun thing slash risky thing about him is like he, if he sees the first one fall, you know he's taking more because he's going to fall in love with that three point shot.
1: Well, even, and even last night, the first, first two or three, he missed. Yeah. And then once one went down, you know, cause I was, there was a couple times he'd shoot it or he would have it up there and he could have just pumped a gun right by the guy and dunked it. Yeah. But he, like, then he actually let it go. And, you know, obviously it worked out, but I, I think kind of quickly going back to D cause you made the point of uh, how they each kind of had their moment at each quarter. What, well, the other concerning piece, because it kind of carried over from the preseason, was Ant it never really gets things going when Delo's on the floor with him. Yeah. It's it's kind of an either-or thing with those two, I think. And uh, that's something to kind of watch. Can they figure it out together? Because, you know, in the first quarter, it was mostly Cat. Mm-hmm. Delo was dealing a lot of assists, but none of them were to Ant in the first quarter. And right. then D'Lo comes out, and Ant's still out there. And then Ant starts just, you know, going nuts. And had that huge second quarter, and then by that point, like most of the second quarter, Dilo was in. You know, he had the three falls, so he didn't play a lot the second quarter. And so Cat and like to close out the the first half, Cat and Ant are just trading baskets. I mean, yeah. it was it was you know super fun. But um, and then the third quarter when they all come back out there, there again it got a little bit stagnant again because you know Ant's not touching the ball. Um, I mean there was there was some weird plays where. Dilo would be up top, he just kept, you know, yelling for guys to come and set a pick and stuff. And then there'd be open guys in the corner. He just he was still taking the hole. Now they were going down. He mm-hmm. fair to D'Lo. Mm-hmm. He was making some of those shots, or you know, they were very close to going down on the ones he missed. But, you know, that's I still think there's some adjusting that has to happen between, you know, and on the offense for both Ant and D'Lo to be able to kind of yeah flourish. Um, so so that's you know, it's not really a negative. I would say that's a positive because it's as good as we looked. You still see giant avenues for us to improve. Yeah. um, Where that are completely within the realm of possibility too. It's not like some like, Oh, we're just like last year. We were like, our defense is so bad, and I see no hope in making it better. <laughs> like you know, barring a major trade, this isn't one of those. This is just like a small adjustment of them getting more accustomed to playing with each other, and, mm-hmm. and I think they'll they'll sort itself out. So yeah, I mean, um,
0: Carl has a really good two man game with D'Lo. Carl has a really good two man game with Anthony Edwards. So any two of those guys being on the floor at the same time works really really well. I mean, which is why we saw MVP Carl Anthony Towns last night. You know he. Like we said, he was 11 for 15 from the floor in 29 minutes, three for four from three, five for five from the free throw line, 30 points, 10 rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks. Like, he was plus 34 on the night. Like, there was no better player. As much as we rave about Ant, and as he got the crowd going, he was making the threes, he was telling the opposing coach to call a timeout because of how hot he was. Like, he was the voice and the personality. But there was no better player on the floor than
1: Carl Anthony Towns. not tonight. even close. And I said to my brother, "It was like this is Ant's team now." I'm like, "Look." I love Ant. He's fast becoming my favorite player, but he's still a long ways away from reaching Cat's level of play. Kat, Kat's just, I, people just, I think have forgotten how damn good Carl Anthony Towns is as a player when he's yep. healthy. And he, he's one of the very best in the league. Ant's one of the very best players we've seen come through this city, mm-hmm. but Towns is one of the best players in any city in this country right now. Like yep. he's just, you know, that good. I mean, and when he's healthy, you know, and when he's, when he's not, he's still one of the top 50 players, you know. But when he's healthy, he's a top 15 player, I think. Um, we should actually so, do that
0: exercise sometime to figure out where we'd put him. We should. I
1: mean, there, there's a bunch of guys you can make the argument that yeah. are, are ahead of him. It's just, but like, if somebody had, you know, a handful of guys ahead of him, I'd be like, okay, well, that's fine. But it's it'd be really hard for somebody to argue that Cat's not part of that when when Cat's playing. Like, yeah. if he averages numbers like he did put up last night. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to be right up in that, that conversation again. Yeah, he's at, he, then yeah. he's in the top five, right? Like, who, who do you put higher than that? I mean, he did that in 30 minutes of play. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, you know, he's – um, I just – I you know, it kind of goes back to a prediction thing. I really think if he, if he can stay healthy all season, he's going to get some conversation or some mentions for MVP. Mm-hmm. He, he's not going to really be a leader or have a threat to actually win it. But I think pe- some people are going to recognize him for – yeah, He's just, he's so damn good.
0: I mean, things fluctuate so quickly in terms of opinion, basketball player opinions throughout the national media, the local media, the fans. You know, I, I remember listening to probably, a, I think it was Bill Simmons' podcast when they were, I don't know, 10, 15 games into the 2019-20 season when Carl got off to his huge start. And at that point, like, Bill Simmons and his buddies who, who come on his podcast, like, who are the biggest Minnesota haters in the national media, like, they won't even talk about him, they won't get, like, their last like over under podcast that they did, they tried talking about Minnesota legitimately and they named David Vanderpool as one of the main reasons why they liked the team. So it was like, and that was for this year. And I was like, okay, you guys don't even like consider what's happening in Minnesota. But even at that time, like they ranked Carl, I think 10th overall in the NBA in terms of the top 10 players. And that was like, it took which, 15 games. which uh, does
1: he's really, really like Third, right.
0: <laughs> it took 15 games, you know, for Carl to be in their top 10, you know, and they would dis- discount anything coming out of Minnesota, you know, before without even considering it. So stuff goes up and down so quickly. Opinions change so fast. And like you said, if Carl does that again and the Timberwolves are 10-8 and eight or, you know, better, with especially with this start and the games they have at home, yeah, he's going to get a lot of recognition. He'll be, you know, easily in the All-Star game. I don't know if he'll be able to pull out a starter spot because voting is so ridiculous and who knows what, where that goes. But
1: Well, um, you got for your bigs, so, you know, just... Because LA, has got you know the yeah. bigger fan base, and it's fan voting. They're going to get Anthony Davis and yep. LeBron as your two bigs, probably yep. just because there's so so guards that you have to fit on the starting team. But so but yeah, I yeah, I completely agree. I, mean, he, I just you know I, I I think with all the excitement with Ant too, it gets lost that people just in this town forget because I, I you keep hearing on the radio and um, different people talking about. Like, oh well, I think they, the Wolves should trade Towns and D'Lo and build around Anton and, and Jaden McDaniels. And it's like, cat's twenty five. Right? are yeah. windows, yeah. the windows can coincide. There's no reason that you have to pick one side or the other. Yeah. That's to me, that's the the pinnacle of Minnesota thinking, mm-hmm. where we've sort of, um, you know, forced ourselves to think in this way of constant rebuild. So it's like, okay, we have this good thing going. And everybody sort of sees it as good. It's just varying degrees of good, right? Some people think it's a playoff team this year. Some people think, well, Ant's like this budding star. Mm-hmm. So the ones who think he's a budding star, but they don't really think this is a playoff team. They want to jettison off your best player and build around Ant. And, and then what? Have five years of struggling with just Ant? I mean, right. Ant can't do it himself. And, you know, um, I had a conversation with somebody about this this weekend. And they were saying, "Oh, well, I would build around Ant and Jane McDaniels. And I'm like, I mean, I, yeah, me too. But I also want to build around Cat yeah. and Ant. And because if, if you trade Carl Anthony Towns, you're not getting on a Carl Anthony Towns back. You're nope. not getting anywhere anywhere close to Carl Anthony Towns back. And, like, so wh- how is that going to help Ant do any better than Cat's done here? Like, you know, and I just, it's not like Cat's 28, 29, 30 years old. You don't have to, like, make a decision. You Like, they can be on parallel tracks. They can be in the same core, you know. So it's just it's just that's a weird take for me. I, I,
0: yeah, and I you mean hear, we have talked
1: plenty about
0: how important of a year this is for D'Lo in terms of his standing on this team and where he's going to fall and the, the his eventual contract to either stay with the Timberwolves or move on to a new team. Like he's a max guy right now. I don't see him being a max guy in his next contract, but how close to that max he gets is going to be dependent on how much Timberwolves win, how you know how well he slides into there. But yeah, Carl has already proven his value to any team. So the real que- I mean, the only real question is, is on the franchise. It's not on Carl. Like Carl is good enough to deserve any contract that he can be up for, whether that's the Supermax, if he becomes eligible or whatnot. It's just, do you, can you decide as a franchise, have we mismanaged this so badly that if we give Carl the Supermax, which wouldn't kick in for another three years, that we're not going to be in a position where we can win with him on the you know on the supermax, and if, if yeah. you decide that, and then I don't know the head's got to roll, and you got to change out your front office, and somebody else needs to come in and do this because even with Rosas being out, Gupta's or whoever ends up be- taking that role, they have two plus almost almost three full years to get it figured out and have a roster around Cat to win before that next contract hits in. So. He's on the 25% max right now, which is nothing compared to roster building throughout the league. Lots of guys are getting paid way more than that. So if they can't put together a winning roster, a conse- a continuous playoff roster in the next three years before that next contract kicks in, and then if they're not willing to pay that because it pushes them into luxury tax territory or whatever, then yeah, then they just need to move on and...
1: Yeah. And hundred percent, but yeah. that's not, that's not that's on not Carl. For a lack, yeah. yeah. There's, that's not because Carl did anything wrong to get yeah. that. In fact, the only way I think Carl leaves is if he asks to leave, which yeah. is another thing you keep hearing more from the national media. Like, well, when is Tone's going to want to get out of Minnesota? Right. Well, you know, um, and that's, you know, we talked about how stupid that is. Like for, for decades with this team, I mean Garnett was always supposedly wanting out of Minnesota to go to Chicago and whatever. But uh, I just, you know, yeah. So, I mean I think there's enough love to go around. You can like this team's always only had one superstar. Yeah. And that's Kevin Garnett. We might have two now. So it's okay to have two. Like it's gonna be our first time, but I think it's okay for people <laughs> to love Ant, but not yeah, mean, okay, well we gotta trade cat. We can only we can only love one superstar. We have yeah. to get rid of the other one, you know. Um and maybe it's maybe it's just leftover scarring from the Marbury and KG days. <laughs> yeah, it might be. I don't know what
0: Well, I mean, we still don't know where this season's even going to go. I think I I put out my official prediction before the first game of uh, 40-42 and for their final record this year, which I think my only reasoning for it was because that would just cause the most chaos moving forward because it would land them right in that, that sweet spot of some people being really happy with the year and some people still being disappointed with the year and who knows if they're going to continue building around the current core or moving on and get a new core or whatever it happens to be. So it's like the Timberwolves always have to be weird somehow and always be confusing in, in one way or another. And I, I, that was the record that I could come up with that would put you most in the, uh, well, maybe they're good, you know, standing. So um, I don't know. But I uh, as we've talked about, like there is a path toward this team being this, you know, the sixth seed this year. Like, mm-hmm things could fall right and if Ant has taken a step and you know, Coach Finch gets his system in and that defense really starts to click in, like, it would not I mean, it would surprise some people to see them, you know, hanging around. But after two months, you know, if they're at a you know, if they're on a fifty win pace after two months, all of a sudden they're just gonna be start to be considered as one of the playoff teams. You know, it won't be all year. Yep. It's not gonna be like, well there's only a month left and the Timberwolves are, you know, five games up on the play in teams but the Timber they're gonna fall out, you know that type of thing. It's like, like we said, opinions change quickly. So you you get out to a hot start if they are ten and eight like they were in 2019, or even better, then it's just gonna be the opinions gonna be that the Timberwolves are a playoff team, you know, moving forward. And where they fall will eventually come down to luck and home court advantage and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, it won't by the end of the year. It won't
1: be a surprise if this team is
0: sitting, you know, in a six, five or six seed.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean. I wouldn't predict that, but I, I do think they can make the playoffs outright, you know, um, you know, if through a playoff game or whatever, uh, I don't think they have to, like, I could see them being the seventh or eighth seed and having to play the playing game, but like have earned that top eight spot, Right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, especially when you see something, you know, it's, again, it's hard to overreact to just the first, you know, it has been most teams have only played one game, you know, a handful have played two now. Um, and it feels a little bit like last season where I think because of COVID protocols and stuff, like the the good teams were still good, but there was they were very uneven games. Like one night they win by 30 and the next night they lose by 20 and and it's like how do you like how do you read Milwaukee getting blown out for example tonight? Yeah. Do you do you read too much into that when they look awesome on opening night against Brooklyn? I don't think you can because I th- I just think that's part of kind of the way the league is right now because of well, I don't know lack of continuity and like these weird schedules like you just got done basically planned mm-hmm. a season and now this season started and um, so it's just that those things make it a little bit weird so you know I don't think you're gonna react but I do think you know in an 82 game season the the right teams rise to the top the you know the wrong ones fall to the bottom, and in, in terms of like who who belongs there, um, and so you know if well well some of these teams that were playoff teams last year drop far enough, like a Portland, um, you know or yeah. Dallas. Phoenix. I mean Dallas got crushed night by
0: Atlanta. Phoenix yep. could take a step back because Chris Paul's getting older. Yep. You know, and it's just the Clippers are going to be a mess, You know, could be a mess. They could be good. They could be a mess. Like there are lots of teams with lots of question marks, and I don't think anybody. There are very few teams in the Western Conference that you can say, like, they are
1: going, we they're know they're going to be good. Yeah. Me, yeah. The Lakers aren't, I mean, I, they're not looking Westbrook could, I mean, could torpedo
0: their entire season.
1: I mean. Well, I mean, they're, you know, so could just having, you know, eight senior citizens on your starting yeah. lineup. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a weird thinking. I mean, Dallas, like you brought up, I mean, I was talking to a guy earlier today who predicted Dallas to win the championship. This year, and for Luca to be MVP, and I could see Luca being MVP, but Mike Jason Kidd's still your coach. Right. I just don't see Dallas. I mean, I think Dallas is one of those teams that at midway point is potentially firing Kidd and trading Porzingis, and you know, trying to figure it out for next year, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um. So yeah, I there there is a window for the the Wolves to yeah.
0: Nothing's locked in stone, stone but
1: you know, the Wolves. We've been watching the Wolves for a long time,
0: and traditionally, if they had a game like this, you know what they'd do in the next one, is they'd come out flat, and they'd you know, be running high and mighty, and then a bad team would end up either pushing them to the end or beating them outright. So, they've got New Orleans twice in the next two games, both at home, and no Zion, and I don't care what you say about the rest of that roster. That's a team Minnesota needs to beat.
1: They need to be 3-0. Well, no, with Zion, they played them really well last year. Well, yeah, they were know? undefeated against New Orleans last year. Yeah, so. yeah, that's just a team that the the Wolves, for whatever reason, match up really well against, and theoretically should match up even better now that Zion's mm-hmm. not going to be there. So I know um, that Valanchunas
0: has been a challenge for Carl in the past, but he doesn't have the rest of Memphis around him anymore. No. That that roster just can't hold, shouldn't be able to hold up against the talent that Minnesota has. So if they're going to be considered serious, they've gotta, they have to win both these games against New Orleans. I don't, you know. If they're two and one, I know that's still a winning record, and you'll see what they do against the better teams once those start to flow in. But the the expectation should be three and zero. Oh.
1: Yeah, I mean the way the way they look last night, yeah, you like you fully expect them to win those two games. Um, you no, know, like obviously there's going to be games on the schedule that you lose that you shouldn't have lost to, but there's going to be games you won that you shouldn't have won as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we know that. But just if you're if you're looking at it, you know, like you said. If if they're a team that wants to be taken seriously as a playoff contender, mm-hmm. these are games that they, you have to win. These games just to like learn how to win against teams you're meant to to beat. You know you don't see like they, they mentioned on the radio on the way home last night, for example, um, Houston's record against the Wolves over the last you know ten years or whatever. And I want to say, uh, when, while James Harden was on the Rockets, the Rockets were like twenty eight and four against yeah. the Wolves, something like that. Some crazy percent winning percentage. You know, so they're like, look, this isn't typical. I mean, the, last year the Wolves, you know, split with them until they played their third game and the Wolves ended up winning the series two games to one. But Houston was one, the worst team in the league last year as yep. well, or one of the worst, you know? And um, so the, the Wolves, yeah, they were, the Wolves were also a bad team last year, but their, their badness was because of health. Yeah. Um, so they should have still been more talented than, Houston after trading James Harden. So, um, you know, it's it's funny how things can qu- how quickly things can change once somebody's gone. So, if uh, the reason why I brought up the Harden scenario is because now we're in that spot now where you have to start being like the James Harden Rockets and start owning these bad teams. Mm-hmm. You need to also now go on to run the next few years against Houston like a 20 win, the two losses until they get good again. Um, same with like a Sacramento. I know Sacramento's trying to build something there, but even Memphis is a little bit of a, you know, they're always good, but, and they have owned the wolves, even when the wolves yep. should have been better, but that's a team that you should be better than this year. So you should win that series. You should, you know, there's a, if you're going to want to be there at the end, you have to like stockpile these games early in the season because, you know, you are going to give away something that you don't plan on giving away, or you're going to lose somebody due to injury for a couple key games or whatever. So, It's, you know, you have to take everyone serious when you're a fringe team like this that's just trying to take that next step.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to beat up on Houston, Oklahoma City, Orlando, the teams that just aren't trying to win this year. It's the next step, like you were saying, is to prove that you are a step above the other Western Conference play play in contenders in San Antonio and Sacramento and uh, New Orleans. And then after that, like, they're, you know, the hope, especially with the talent that they have, is that they can really start to be to prove that they're at the same level as the the Golden States and the Memphises and the Portlands and, you know, the Clippers, and especially with the injuries that they, they have and they're coming into the season with. Because, I mean, because some of those, like, two of those teams are still going to make the play-in. Like, there's too many good teams in the Western Conference. So ending up in the play-in isn't necessarily a a season that you you have to write off or a failure of a season but you want to be at that level you want to be in, in the contention for for the you know the sixth seed heading into you know to the last couple of weeks of the season to, to show like yeah we're as good as these teams and maybe we weren't quite ready enough because our roster still doesn't have a more than one pow- true power forward on it and we can make a tweaker here you know here or there to bump ourselves up into the top four but they like that's the next step like I guess that's that's not, that's not even the next step. That's a step away from the step. We, we have right. to prove that we're... We, that, that's what I was yeah. getting at. Is you yeah. have to
1: beat those teams that are garbage right now. Yeah. You have to like prove that you can own them. Like Now, New Orleans isn't a garbage team, but with Zion, they are. Yeah. They're not much better than Houston. And so you need to, like, like you said, you need to beat them, and you need to kind of beat them handedly. You yeah. kind of have to let them know what's up. And kind of say, okay, we're not the same doormat Timberwolves team we've been the last handful of years since Jimmy left. You know, this is different. And um, if if you lose to one of those, well, then you might lose a lot of that momentum that you're mm-hmm. feeling, like all this um, these good vibes and stuff. And you don't want to lose that because it's it does feel special right now. But it it what I would love to see is if you remember, it wasn't it was before the 2004 season when uh the wolves had the best record you know at that midway point it was either the se- one season or two seasons before but we were we had like the fourth best record at the midway point yeah and we ended up at like the 7th or 8th seed that year i can't remember but w- this would be a fun time for the wolves to you know come january be in that fourth or fifth seed even if they don't aren't able to hold on to it which you know you got Kawhi coming back clay coming back guys like that coming back that maybe those teams that kind of jump back past you um but it would be cool to see the wolves to get to that four or five seed come you know mid-january or early january even and then even if they have a little bit of a letdown that puts them in position to be in that you know that one of those playoff spots at the end
0: yeah i mean i mean the the first 10 games of the season are really going to be telling for this team is where they where they stand among the rest of the league because they like i said they start out with houston they've got new orleans twice so after the first three games they should be 3-0 and that'll be the first test Then they play Milwaukee and Denver, which even an improved Wolves team, I'm not going to go into either of those games expecting a victory. It would be awesome to beat one of them, especially the Denver game without Jamal Murray to say like, you know what, Denver with Jokic and the guys that they put around them are just as good as Minnesota with Cat. And if you get Murray back, yeah, you're better again. You're a a championship favorite, but hopefully we can keep up with you if if you're dealing with a major injury. Um, but once again i'm not going to go into anything expecting that then we get the magic for another should you know expected victory and but then they come out of that and it's going to be go time because at the clippers twice in a row they get memphis golden state the lakers the clippers again you know before they you know come back home to face the sun so those six games you know clippers clippers grizzlies warriors lakers clippers like those are all teams in the western conference who are going to be somewhere between i mean i think a lot of people are picking the lakers to be you know, the top team in the West, but they didn't look good in their first game. They're Mm -hmm. still trying to figure out what they're going to do. They got Kent Bazemore starting at small forward or at shooting guard. I don't know. Like they haven't figured out their roster. They got a lot of guys who are going to want minutes and Westbrook just hasn't figured out a way to fit. So um, all the statistical models don't like them. They have them right down near the wolves in terms of expected winning, you know, win percentage. So. I wouldn't even put them on the same level as the, the Milwaukee and, and Denver games in terms no. of expected I, and losses.
1: I, honestly, I don't put the Clippers there either. No, and that's the
0: thing. The Clippers should be right in that bottom half of the playoff, you know, anywhere between four and nine, you know. So um, if the Wolves expect to be in that range, if that, those are the teams they're fighting against. So it'd be awesome to see them, you know, either split those games, come out four and two, whatever happens to be. But it can't be a, a one and five stretch against the LA no. teams and Memphis no. and Golden
1: State. So... Yeah, win. I mean, there's three against the Clippers, you said, in that yeah, stretch. Yeah, three games so when against Clippers. All, beat the Clippers. Beat Memphis. Um, yeah, then you're at
0: 500, and then you'll take any of the other games, whether you beat the Lakers, you know, get the third game against the Clippers or Golden State, you know, so it's going to be very telling. But if they come out of that stretch, I mean, that's 11 games into the season. We got, you know, we have four that we're expecting to win, and then two or ex- two expected losses, and hopefully go three and three against that stretch. That's, you know, seven and four after those 11, and that'd be awesome.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're still growing together. So, like, you know, I mean, we're still a young team with some guys that haven't played together because of injuries last year. So um, if you have a a about 500 record, you know, 10, 11 games into the season,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: at least that bodes well. But like you said, I mean, part of that would be patented against these, you know, lower-tier teams right now. So,
0: Four of these first six games just kind of need to be wins. Yeah. So. Well, Chad, you going to uh, you gonna try to make it to all seven of these first eight games here at home?
1: I, I the plan is to right now. Yeah. Um, see how the um, all school. My son was pretty tired, <laughs> falling asleep in the car and stuff the other day already. So we'll see how he uh, holds up. Um, but yeah, the, we have the, the Saturday game was uh, my wedding anniversary, and so we were able to negotiate that out of off the calendar. And so we'll go to that one for sure. And then Monday, I mean, New Orleans, so Zion's my son's favorite player outside of any Timberwolves. And so it's a bummer. Yeah. He's not going to get to see him this year because the only two times they are here are right now. And he's, you know, by the time Zion's back, those games will be long over. So um, that part's kind of a bummer, but um, so now those games are a little less attractive to have to make sure we go to, <laughs> but <laughs> It is what it is. I mean, there's, it's still early in the season, so you still have the the high of the the new season starting mm-hmm. and all that.
0: Well, I'm uh I'm out next week. I'm taking my wife to uh, New York for her birthday. Oh, so that's cool. Yeah, we're taking a few days out of town. The girls are staying with with grandma, so uh, nice. we'll I mean, be there. Been I've been to New York a few times. My wife has never been, so okay. it's gonna be for same, her first same experience. Yeah,
1: my wife really wants to go, and I, I mean, I was there all the time for work, as you know. Yeah. So I'm I haven't really had the urge to go back for a while. I mean, I like New York, but it's like, oh, I mean, I, right, you know, I'm kind of starting to itch to go back now because it's been a while. Yep. And so she, she really wants to go, but we'll see. We haven't planned it. My son gets to go to New York for school in March. Fun. Uh, so he's really pumped. because yeah. He gets to go to New York and Washington D.C. And he has no interest in Washington D.C., which I think <laughs> would be cool because I've never yeah. been to Washington D.C. So I, I would like to see that. Yeah. The capital and everything else. Um. You want to steal the Declaration of Independence? yeah um, break the cracked their Liberty belt knots in Philadelphia, yeah um but yeah I uh or so he's super pumped to go to New York just 'cause
0: yeah,
1: yeah always would hear about it from me or see pictures or whatever, so he's he's wanted to go to New York since he was two or three years old,
0: yeah, but anyway, you know, so we'll be able we'll to take next week off and uh we'll be back. It'll probably be after that first clippers game on the third, so uh we'll see how the wolves are doing, hopefully they've st- stood up to what our expectations are and. We'll be back to continue the conversation and hopefully we have some, some more good good results to, to discuss. So, Chad, enjoy yourself in the next couple of weeks and have fun at the games. Yeah, you too, man. Same Same All right, talk to you later. See
1: you, man. Bye.